Welcome to Virtual Economy, a podcast about the business of games for the rest of us. We're your hosts. I'm Michael Footer. And I'm Amanda Farrow. On each episode, we'll cover the biggest business beats and bring an expert commentary from lawyers, analysts, and industry pros. This is episode 129, Jim Ryan's tone-deaf meow-meow story time hour. so many questions meow, and, I'm, meow. <laughs> and I'm very much looking forward to you informing me and all of us <clears throat> what you mean by a meow meow, meow meow story time hour meow meow is this like meow mix yeah kitty kitty meow meow oh we're not bringing back kitty kitty meow meow I actually that is way more appropriate than the title that I had in my head Often the titles that we come up with first, we don't end up using because they're either crass or Oh, this one, this mean. one. Okay. So, no, I can't. No. We're not going into the explanation of the title we didn't use. Yeah, we I didn't can, even tell. However, I didn't even tell you the title we didn't use. No. 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 We're not doing it on air either. No, we're not. No, okay. We not. Uh, all right. We, we have a couple of difficult things to talk about this week. Uh, we talked about the game industry's issue. With uh, with talking about abortion uh, and the civil rights that go along with that. That go along with bodily autonomy? That go along with bodily autonomy, yeah. But uh, that's not where we're starting. Uh, there is some labor stuff that we'll talk about there. But uh, We do want to talk for a moment about the terrible attack that happened in a Buffalo supermarket last weekend. So a week, and a, so. a week and change ago. When we and, were in Rochester. Yeah, and resulted in the deaths of 10 innocent people. Our hearts go out to the people of Buffalo and particularly the families, friends, and neighbors of those murdered by a white supremacist. And I think it's really important that we label this what this is. This was white supremacy. This is someone who was disaffected and radicalized. Um, and whatever the reason for that was, it doesn't matter. This person chose violence in the, in the rawest sense. Um, they were espousing what's known as the replacement conspiracy theory. If you're not familiar with this, this is something that is echoed on right-wing television, including Fox News by Tucker Carlson and other assholes. Uh, the theory is that leftists are responsible for a massive influx of non-white immigrants to, quote, decrease the birth rate of white people. As I said, this this stuff has permeated mainstream, mainstream outlets, and it continues. This is a, a, a result of racists feeling comfortable being out in the open, especially after the Trump administration, when we had a racist administration installed in this country. I mean, I'm pretty sure that racism is pretty rampant in all politics it, ever. It is, but now we have this overt white supremacy leaking and oozing from the mouths of elected Republican officials. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But let's not... Let's not bandy words on politics oh, no. and white uh, supremacy. I, I'm not. It's just it, things have gotten even worse if that's possible. So the reason why we're talking about this, and it's not just because we talk about civil rights on this show. It's not because, not just because, anyway, we, we do want to, I don't know, put a glaring light on the fact that the killer attempted to live stream himself on Twitch. They were only successful for about two minutes, though. Twitch, which has had enormous problems in the past with getting things like this under control, whether it's hate raids, 
or violence or anything of this nature, got it under control in two minutes, which is which evidences growth at Twitch. Yeah, that's that's actually really great. Yeah. Um, Washington Post had an excellent report on this. Uh, They indicated that only 22 people were tuned in at the time before it was shut down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, Facebook and a smaller site called Streamable failed to move as quickly or prevent the circulation of reports. Of course, Facebook didn't do anything because Facebook has no control over anything ever. Nope, of course not. So uh, So that's part of the reason why we're talking about this is because it does have a direct tie-in to the technology and cultural issues that we discuss on a regular basis on virtual economy. Absolutely. So in the wake of this, the New York State Attorney General is investigating how Discord, where the the murderer had, uh, I think they had a private Discord. Mm-hmm. So they just had one similar to how other people use it just for note taking, etc. Mm-hmm. And there was that, but they were also in communities where these things were allowed to fester. So there's a sense of a, a large sense, a large amount of documents and a sense of um, how how radicalized this person was and how uh, they walked down the path towards violence. There was that thread that was going around that I had retweeted for a time because I thought it was another piece of information um, and I deleted it because it was seen as as a spout, like endorsing this whole thread. But essentially it's like, he talked about how he had a toothache and wouldn't and and he blamed the Jewish dentist. And it's like this started with anti-Semitism and just became racism in general. Um, what turns out, though, is other people investigated. And I, I think the his father um, had enough means where, like, it's very likely he could have found another dentist. He just didn't. He didn't want to see a Jew. It's like this wasn't about a toothache. This is about someone who was so deeply flawed and so deeply broken and radicalized in a system and in a society right now that does not shame racists. I mean, we talk about making racists afraid again. We should. We should be driving racism back into the into the shadows where it belongs. And it, you know, I don't know that we're ever going to be able to extinguish it, but we can't allow it to be mainstream the way it is right now. So they're investigating Discord, Twitch, 4chan, 8chan. Um, he was active in all of those platforms. Um, but one of the things we do want to point out is Bungie again stepping up, leading the way in terms of how this industry needs to respond I agree. to these issues. Yeah. So this is what they put out as a statement. Quote, Far too often these racist attacks begin within online communities that are used to recruit and radicalize individuals. It is time we begin to examine our practices and see what part we can play in preventing these tragedies. Black at Bungie intends to partner with our player support and community teams to see how we can bolster our ongoing efforts to maintain safe and anti-racist spaces in which our players and fans can come together. We hope our colleagues in game development and gaming communities continue to examine their own platforms and invest in practices to combat bigotry in all its manifestations. We believe games and their communities should be a force for good, and we are committed to that. So I want to talk about this just for a second, because I think that especially about the the radicalization, recruitment and radicalization. Now, for those of you that are brand new, don't know me, um, you may not know that this is this is one of the many beats <laughs> that I've had over the years is talking about online spaces and children. We have four. Right? Mm-hmm. We have four. And we, we have a son. More specifically, we have a son. And we talk a lot about hate speech 
and we talk a lot about appropriate conduct online and we talk about how we communicate with one another and how important it is that even when we're talking to strangers that might not be treating us well, we disengage, we report them, we block them, we move on. We don't engage. And we certainly don't engage with people that are espousing hateful, hateful things. And our kids, because we have been talking to them about this since they were small, they know what's hateful. They know what's mean. They know that when you say mean things to people, that it hurts them. And it isn't good for the world around them either. And I mean, they're children. They're not, they don't understand, you know, the, their own civic responsibility yet, but they will get there. So it is important that we do talk about things like radicalization and recruitment online. And if you want to, if you want to get a little bit more on that, I suggest you go, you go and check out Psychgeist, which is Dr. Rachel Cowart's YouTube channel. And Dr. Cowart and I are actually writing a series of books together about, you know, helping kids navigate online spaces and helping parents, you know, be really good advocates for their children when it comes to video games and digital playgrounds. So with that little aside, it's really important. If you are interested in learning more about that, go check out Psychgeist on YouTube. I want to close this conversation by again lauding Bungie for making this statement. And it shouldn't be shocking when a company makes this kind of statement. But because there is this belief that firing toxic elements of your community, that's people who are trolls, people who are cheaters, people who are racists, that that's somehow going to be bad for you. It's simply not true. We have seen time and time and again, if you prune the garden, if you weed the garden, flowers grow. You will create the community, a strong community, a loyal community of positive players if you get rid of the toxic elements. So it, this is my call to the game industry at large. Follow Bungie's lead. Fire the racists in your community. Give them no safe harbor. Make it unsafe to be a racist. Make it unsafe to spread bigotry. We have to denormalize this toxicity and violence from online communities in the gaming space. And the first thing that we need to do in order to start that process is admit it exists. So game publishers, game developers, examine your communities. Admit that this exists in your communities. Take a stand. Get rid of these people. Hire excellent community managers. And we're going to get to that in quick hits about community management and mental health training and how important community managers are for ensuring that your community remains what it should be safe, inclusive, and lovely. Okay. So that was a heavy way to start the show. The little dog is snoring in the background. Yeah, I don't, don't know if you can hear him. Don't mind. Don't mind Rex. He's, he's just having a good snoozle. Yeah. Um, we're going to jump to a story that we last covered in November, 2021. This is really interesting. Yeah, you may recall that Steam was sued by overgrowth developer Wolfire Games. Uh, the focus of the argument, the focus of the suit was uh, an anti-competitive suit. And it was about Steam's uh, most favored nations clause, the the, val, uh, the Steam key price parity clause in the storefront agreement. Mike, can we talk a little bit about the price parity agreement? Sure. Essentially, what it says is you can't offer a lower regular price on another platform if your game is offered on Steam. Uh, Which... And the reason for that, and Steam says, well, we give you codes for free for your game that you can give out. Just for a point of reference, if you release a game on consoles, you have to buy bundles of codes yeah. to give away. It's. I mean, that's true. But part of what makes that such a challenge is that 
you know, Steam has a competitor now. Yes. Steam has EGS. It does. And while Steam is still the... the Still reigning supreme, I Yeah, suppose. it is the biggest player in the market. You know, the fact that there is a viable competitor out there does mean something. What was interesting was the... And we've talked about this kind of, a- of, of action from a court multiple times, where the judge said, hey, we're going to dismiss this, but you can revise your complaint. And then come back and, and then talk come back. to me. Now, for a lot of people, they thought, okay, well, it's done. It's not going to happen. Well, they revised the complaint and came back. And so just to refresh, so we talked about the the price parity clause. Um, If you violate this, you can lose the ability to generate Steam keys, which means that you won't be able to sell your game on other storefronts. So so the like uh, third party storefronts, like let's say Green Man Gaming or Fanatical. Right. Right. Um, Valve filed for the dismissal in August. They conditionally won it. And then Wolfire amended the complaint and came back. So Judge John Cowaner seemed more interested in the revised complaint, which hinges on three things. First, um, the complaint says that Steam is a platform and the Steam store are two different things. And it's a tying argument, and it's not entirely dissimilar from Epic's arguments against Apple in that suit. Right. The court rejected this argument, likely for the same reason... Uh, because of how the Epic and Apple suit played out. So right. there's some precedent there right now, even though that's not settled. You know. Precedent. Precedent. Precedent, man. Yeah. So Valve's pricing parity, which is also called the Most Favored Nation Clause, came into question again. And this time, Wolfire included information that a Valve account manager said that the company would go so far as to delist any game which was found to have a lower price on another storefront. Very, yeah, very so, interesting. So this one, Judge Counter is really interested in seeing if there are other such instances of this, if other people have been told the same thing. And if there is enough, whether this was a one-off, so maybe somebody being aggressive and speaking or out of turn, or if this is actually policy. Right. So that's what he's interested in. Uh, Wolfire's attorneys note that Valve purchased the World Opponent Network, a gaming platform, and shut it down. Whoa. This was years and years ago. But the lawyers argue that this pushed players to Steam. So Judge Cowaner wants to see if this argument, uh, wants to see this argument played out in court. So if that's what Steam did, it's an anti-competitive practice. I will tell you, there was a site that I used called, it wasn't called Swap Meet. It was called, it was Swap House. And what it was, was you could, you could list items that you owned and you could list ones that you were interested in trading and other users could do the same. I did a number of trades. I traded games via mail with people multiple times. It's like what we do with the math trades for board games. Right. Except this was one-to-one. It was, it was a matching service. And then I think they took like a dollar a trade or something like that. That ain't bad. Amazon bought it and shut it down. That's less good. Yeah. I was so sad because they weren't looking to replace it with anything except their own marketplace. That was so they did effectively this. They bought something just to shut down a competitor that was really. And how many times have we seen this in technology in general? This is something that happens all the time and doesn't no one does anything about mm-hmm. it. So the case is 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 not super solid. Like no. it, it's it's gotten further this time. Wolfire's lawyers are gonna need to bring a lot of evidence to the table to uh to appease Judge Kawanar and show that there's there's enough of a suit here to move forward. Um there is another suit though. There that, is that yeah. Judge Kawanar is is also assigned to. Uh, it's from Dark Cat Studios, which alleges that their game Jin and Thaco got banned from Steam due to lower pricing elsewhere. So this is another one of one instance. So he said, really? I want to see other instances. Also, Jin and Thaco. It's pretty good. Thaco. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. I like that. Uh, both suits are now in the discovery phase. And what happens from here is anyone's guess. 
We thought there was very little chance this was going to go anywhere in November, but both of these suits now have a bit more life in them. Yeah, especially if they can find a way to, I don't know... I don't know. The fact that they're 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 both assigned to the same judge is will be very, very interesting. interesting. Yeah. All right, so let's move right along to NPD for April 2022. U.S. spending fell a total of eight percent to 4.34 billion dollars. We're also down about eight percent for year to date, which is 18.26 billion dollars. Hardware was the one category that saw a bump, though. So that was up 16% to $343 million for April on a slightly improved supply of Xbox Series and PlayStation 5 consoles. Hardware is down for the year by 10%, or sorry, by almost 10%, by 9%, to $1.5 billion. The Switch was the highest unit sales for April and year-to-date for 2022. Xbox Series was the second in units sold for both month and year-to-date. Switch sales have now surpassed PlayStation 4 sales in the U.S., making it the fourth best-selling console in U.S. history and the sixth best-selling hardware platform, including handhelds. For consoles, PS2, Xbox 360, and Wii are in the top three spots. PlayStation 5 led April in dollar sales, with Xbox Series and Switch both nipping at their heels, at its heels. Xbox Series still stand, still leads year-to-date with PlayStation 5 and Switch in second and third spots. Yeah, really interesting month. Again, we're seeing what Matt has been talking about, gosh, since we had those conversations in fall Forever of 2020, ago. that supply was really going to dictate what happens here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the supply here really has been, you can find a Switch basically anywhere. Yeah. Side note, Xbox actually led in Japan for the first time. I know. In I a s- long time. I, I'm not sure if it's ever led in Japan. Yeah. It's been, like a, ever. Xbox, it's been a very tough market for Xbox since the beginning. Yeah, it really has been because they have they have Sony mm-hmm. and they have Nintendo. Yep. Like, what do they need a third one for? Well, well, more than that, what do they need a Western company coming in and trying to sell hardware for? Absolutely. Very interesting. All right, mm-hmm. let's talk software real quick. Yeah. Uh, spending dropped 10% to $3.84 billion year over year and dropped 8% year to date to $15.97 billion. It's that long tail. It is. It's the long tail yep. slump, folks. You're going to hear us talk about it all year. So uh, kudos to Warner Brothers and TT Games. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga led April. It's already the number two game of 2022, leaving all console platforms and Steam. It moved 3.2 million units globally in its first two weeks on the market. Lego Star Wars is also the first third-party game to lead the Nintendo chart since March 2021's release of Monster Hunter Rise. Very nice. Which was a console exclusive. It was. And Lego Star Wars is not. No, it is not. So, very, very interesting. It also has the highest launch month revenue of any Lego game and is already the sixth best-selling Lego game ever. Um, Elden Ring, holding on strong at number two, and it's still the best-seller of 2022, and ousted... Call of Duty Vanguard is the Whoa. best-selling game of the trailing 12 months. When was the last time that that happened? It's been a while. Um, it's been it, a while since we've seen Call of Duty, you know, fall down. Yes. Yes, yes. What's next? MLB The Show lifted to number three from number four last month. Mm-hmm. Kirby and the Forgotten Land slipped, trading spots with MLB, slipping from number four to number three. Nintendo's- or slipping to number four from number three. There we go. I did it. <laughs> you did. I got there. Got it in two. Nintendo Switch Sports debuted at number five. I think I need that. Yeah? I think I might. Okay. I think I might. For when my mom comes to visit. Yeah, just everybody gets to use straps, though. Okay. So there's a story with that. 
and it involves Wii bowling and a cup of Coca-Cola and my television and a wall. You can tweet at me about that. (laughs) Uh, Call of Duty Vanguard actually climbed to number six from number nine, though. That's good. Horizon Forbidden West slipped to number seven from number five. Mario Kart 8, ensuring that we are never going to get Mario Kart 9, held steady at number eight. Remember, there's also all that DLC. But there's the DLC, though. So... So we're going to be okay. We're not going to see Mario Kart 9 for quite some time. That's okay. We're going to get some deals. Mind you, we did not actually see a new Mario Kart this generation. This is a, this is a re-release, it's a re-release of the Wii U. It's those game. R's again. Yeah. It's those R's right at work. I mean, it is getting a ton more content on the Switch. It really but is. Still, but it's a great game. The base game is not a but it's new a great game, game for the Switch. Yeah. But it's a great game. Yeah. All right. Gran Turismo slid all the way to number nine from number two. Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus still in the top ten, but it did slip to number ten. From number six. And then we have some other standout notes. Minecraft, FIFA, Black Ops, Cold War, Smash, Ultimate, Miles Morales, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Mario Party Superstars, and Madden NFL 22 are still in the top 20. We're seeing these perennial favorites stick around. I mean, again, no surprise that you've got Minecraft up there. Um, Interestingly, uh, no GTA 5. (laughs) (laughs) They listened to us, though. That meant they listened. Yeah, stop. We told you. Stop we told you GTA stop 5. buying GTA. You want 5. GTA Six? You gotta stop. Gotta stop GTA buying GTA Five. Man. Come on, like get on Jeez. board. But listen, I don't. I, I'm just gonna go play the Yakuza games. You should actually go play the Yakuza games. I know. I heard it a lot last night when I was in the Hit Save stream. They're like, "Manda, why haven't you played this game?" I'm like, "I don't." We know. have all of them on PlayStation Five. I know. I know. I think and PlayStation I have, 4 for that. I'm pretty sure I even have them on PC at this point. So. I have I have 0, 1, and 2, and 3, I think, on PC. And then I'm waiting to to waiting to, to get the right price on the 4, 5, 6 collection. I, what I'm trying to say is I don't want to play and, and like a Grand a Theft... I, I don't want to play a Grand Theft Auto game. I just want to play Yakuza. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the mobile marketplace in the United States. So this is via Sensor Tower. Top games for April 2022 were Candy Crush Saga, Roblox, Coin Master, Ebony, The King's Return. My liege. My liege. Royal Match, State of Survival, Zombie War, Bingo Blitz, Clash of Clans, Genshin Impact, and Call of Duty Mobile. Nothing big in there. No big changes. Have I told you about the very interesting Ebony marketing campaign, though? Yes. Did I do it on the show? I think you might have the last time we talked about Ebony. Okay. Which was about a month ago. If I didn't, hit me up and I'll I'll explain. Um, All right. Let's talk about accessories. Spending declined 10% to $151 million, down 15% year to date to $743 million. Here's a weird one. The best selling accessory for the month was the PlayStation 4. Yes, I, I did not make a mistake there. PlayStation 4 DualShock Black Controller. Okay, so I'm going to explain this to you for a quick second because I I feel like we need a little context. Those DualShock controllers are flimsy after yeah. five or six years. Like yeah. they don't work. I know anymore. It's not like an I Xbox just repla- controller. I just replaced two of them. Yeah, we and granted we have four kids, so I mean, like they they go kind of hard. Yeah, but. Those controllers are very difficult to find right now, and they're also really expensive. And also, you need to have a steady stream of them in order to just use your PlayStation 4. It's not like you can take your DualSense and use it with a PlayStation 4. True. Uh, The Xbox Elite Series 2 controller still leading the year. Some big takeaways. None of this is going to come as a surprise for those of you who have been listening to this show. Nope. 
Experiential spending is back and eating into the game market. We knew this was going to happen. We've been saying this since the very beginning of the pandemic, since literally when this show began. It's true. Hardware supply obviously still hurting things. And we're gonna, we actually have a couple of listener questions at the end, which are going to get at this a little bit. So I'm, I'm interested we'll dig, in, we'll dig a little bit deeper. We'll dig a little deeper, but it's not just that. It's also inflation mm-hmm. and higher prices on, on AAA games, especially. It's hurting entertainment spending. Higher prices on literally everything hurting, hurting entertainment spending. The more you are spending on your staples, the less disposable income you have. Yeah. yeah. And people don't really have a ton of disposable income right now, yep. which is understandable. So that was NPD for... Well, we got through, we're getting through this pretty quickly, a lot faster than I thought we were going to, so go us. <laughs> Let's move right along into investment interlude. Yeah, we're going to talk about some mergers and acquisitions and some... Not some SPACs, no pipes. No SPACs and pipes, no because SPACs the, bottom, pipes. the bottom fell out of that industry Although we really are going to be talking about some, some big investment stuff. Absolutely. The first thing that we're going to talk about is Dead by Daylight developer Behavior Interactive has announced the acquisition of Midwinter Entertainment from Improbable. Midwinter is based in Seattle and employs about 30 people. It's known for the game Scavengers. Unfortunately, alongside this news, the console port of Scavengers has been canceled. Improbable is getting out of the game making business. I'm trying to see if my dog is going to like... Go. Why don't you go, buddy? No, no, you have to go around. You have to go around. Don't mind don't mind the dog. This is what you sign on for when you listen to this show. Because, you know. Because we don't have a permanent recording space yet? We we don't have a permanent recording space yet. So we're just we're just everywhere. Today we're sitting in in our house, folks. Yeah, enjoy. Enjoy. Anyway, moving along. So yeah, improbable getting out of the out of the, the game space and focusing yes. more on metaverse stuff. Remember their whole big thing was uh, was their multiplayer architecture that never really kind of bore fruit. So it they was supposed to have created open, like scalable open world for massively multiplayer games and for honestly, even for smaller games, for smaller multiplayer games. So that's really what Improbable was doing. Like that was Improbable.io. I know I talked mm-hmm. to them a, a number mm-hmm. of times. Um, you'll recall that it that Improbable sold Nightingale developer Inflection to Tencent in February and that game looks cool. Yeah, that game looks real cool. I can't wait for that. Oh, see? Yep. So are you hearing the dogs now? Yeah. I'm hearing the dogs uh, now. So yeah, no terms were disclosed on the Behavior Midwinter deal. Nope. No terms. Uh, speaking of no terms were disclosed, this was a weird one. Skybound Entertainment has taken a new round of funding. In some amount. What? What do you mean in I've some I've never amount? seen this before where they're not announcing how much the round was. That doesn't make any uh, sense. So Skybound, as you know, is, is responsible for the Walking Dead IP. They're currently working on both a Marvel and Star Wars video game project with Amy Hennig in charge. Call me. Yeah. Uh, the round was led by Knollwood Advisory with Hero Capital, Boost VC, and Com2US participating. Still... So weird that they didn't announce the amount of the round. You know what also is continues to be weird and annoying? What, Amanda? Everybody wanting to focus on funding the metaverse games without actually understanding what the metaverse is. So moving right along, Andreessen Horowitz has announced its first fund focused exclusively on the games industry called Games Fund One. So the $600 million fund is focused on game studios consumer-focused apps like Discord and infrastructure to support metaverse projects. I saw the metaverse thing and I tuned everything else out because, (laughs) folks, guess what? I have ADD. Congratulations! (laughs) You're in my brain, too! All right, the fund is a who's who of game industry innovators, including David Bazuski, 
founder of Roblox, Jason Citron, founder of Discord, Mark Merrill, co-founder of Riot Games, Mike Morham, co-founder of Blizzard, Alex Larson and Jeffrey Zierlin, co-founders of Sky Mavis, Kevin Lynn, co-founder of Twitch, Mark Pincus, founder of Zynga, and Ricardo Zaccone, founder of King. It's quite the uh, roster. Yeah, they're all very wealthy. Yes. They're all very wealthy. Nice. Yeah. Great. Wow. I hope they taste good because we eat the rich, man. <laughs> nom, well, nom, 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 nom. Speaking of rich people. Uh, the Saudi government, which is responsible for human rights violations and the murder of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi, uh, has made another video game industry investment. And this one... The other, ones, the other ones were not good, but this one, uh, yeah, via its public investment fund, the Saudi government now owns a 5.01% stake in Nintendo. Nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool and neat. Uh, Nintendo joins Capcom, Nexon, EA, Activision, Blizzard, Take-Two, and SNK, which it now controls almost entirely in the group's portfolio. Oh, boy. Okay. But as like a palate cleanser for that, I'm really excited about this next story because this is really, really great. And I love to see Can I Play That win. So accessibility outlet Can I Play That has been acquired by Dagger System. So Dagger or Dagger System, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. But they have agreed to purchase and maintain CanIPlayThat.com as a wing of their employment and journalism initiative, ensuring that this incredible resource rep repository of game accessibility journalism will be able to both thrive and flourish. They've been going through kind of a rough time at Can I Play That? And I want to talk about why this is so important for accessibility in game journalism. Absolutely. Like for just Please, a minute. go ahead. So to give a little bit of background, Can I Play That was founded in 2018 by Courtney Craven and Susan Banks. And it has been an exceptionally important fixture in ensuring that accessibility is discussed with care and detail in everything from games news to game reviews. So anything that you really see about game journalism covering accessibility it was Can I Play That that mm -hmm. really started to push that forward alongside uh, Dagger or whatever the heck it's called, mm -hmm. because they also do a lot with regards to game accessibility. But where where yeah. Can I Play That really came into it was they made it they were helping they were helping um, disabled journalists really get their names out there. Mm -hmm. And a number of them have gone on to write for some really, really big sites and talking about really important stuff. So mm -hmm. I am just, I'm just so happy that this has happened. Yep. But you know what also made Can I Play That stand out? What? They're a nonprofit. I love that. They're a nonprofit. And I want to talk a little bit about why um, a journalism outlet, so like an outlet where you pay writers to do a journalism and it being a nonprofit is so interesting because we don't see it in entertainment journalism anywhere. You can see it in tech watchdogs. I know that I think the markup is probably the most prominent one out there that I can think of that is a nonprofit mm -hmm. functioning as a tech watchdog outlet in the tech journalism space. Mm -hmm. But there are just not a lot of places where journalism is being done for not for not profit. That's yeah. what I've always wanted to do. This is like, can I put like Courtney and Susan really took that that dream that was living in my brain that they didn't know was there. Um, and they made it a reality and they turned their outlet into a nonprofit so they could stop focusing on like, how the heck are we going to pay our bills every month? Mm -hmm. And why don't we just raise money? Yeah. It's, it's really great. And Josh Straub, who founded Dagger system, uh, I was familiar with 
because he was a former Game Informer intern mm. and doing really good work there. So this oh, is- Oh yeah, Dagger System is really, really cool. I went and I looked into a lot of the stuff that they're doing and it is really wonderful. Yeah, so it's it's wonderful. This is such a, a great partnership. Glad to see that this is going to make both organizations stronger. And it's going to be good for game journalism in general. Absolutely. It really is. And if you're if you're familiar with Can I Play That and with regards to their uh, their workshops that they've been doing, they're going to be moving them to another venue. They're not going to be held under Can I Play That anymore, but they're still going to be happening. Yes. Uh, last bit of news. Puck News, which is a reputable outlet, has reported that EA was in serious talks with Comcast to merge with a spun-off NBC Universal. Wild. The deal apparently fell apart last month. But given the deal frenzy of the past years, this isn't surprising that EA would be open to something like this. And in fact, they I've would heard have from sources... They would have to be. Right. And I've heard from sources that EA has been open to being acquired for some time. So here's what I want to say about that, because I think there's a lot of shock around this. I, I This is the weirdest thing. Like, I was shocked by Activision Blizzard. I was surprised by Bethesda. I was, I was surprised, surprised by, Zynga. by Zynga. Yeah, that was but a surprise for This me. actually doesn't shock me, and here's why. And the Ubisoft stuff doesn't shock me either, since we've talked about that. The reason why this doesn't surprise me is because of something called fiduciary duty. And for those of you who have not operated in the business sphere, who don't understand uh, what it means to be a chief executive or in the C-suite, or a member of the board of directors of a publicly traded company, your Key responsibility, like job number one is returning value to shareholders. It is maximizing value for shareholders. Now, there are a lot of problems inherent in that. You don't get the problems at Ubisoft without this. You don't get the problems at Activision Blizzard without fiduciary duty prized in a vacuum. And I think that's the issue here is fiduciary duty is important. It is your your legal your legal duty. It is a legal responsibility for someone in a governance position, as or, someone or a who chief is chief executive position. As someone who is currently in a governance position mm-hmm. at Hit Save, I get it. So it is not surprising that a, a chief executive and a board would would look at a deal that is going to return additional value to shareholders and be open to that. Now, if we're talking about an acquisition, chances are we're talking about a stock price purchase at a premium, which means that shareholders will A, get a huge amount of money for their shares, or they will have shares converted into another company. On a merger, if this is in fact what we call a merger of equals as opposed to an acquisition, you're talking about new shares being created from old shares. That isn't going to be a buyout. It means that you're going to get X number of shares for the shares that you have. And the idea is that with a company like NBC Universal, which is linear content, it opens up more sports partnerships for a company like EA, which is very invested in sports, obviously. Yeah. Hockey, football, soccer, um, baseball with super mega baseball, right? <laughs> so we know that racing. And golf, racing. So obviously there are a lot of reasons why EA would be very interested potentially in a deal. Now, if something happened along the way where it shifted from being a merger of equals to an acquisition, that might have tanked the deal. If you watch Succession... Oh, boy. This is going to sound potentially familiar. So that's one reason why a deal might not have tanked or might not have gone through. The other reason... Another reason a deal might have tanked is it might have left a a little bit of imbalance that ultimately deprioritized... some of EA's activities. That's right. So for instance, it might have been like, okay, we want you to keep your sports games, but we want you to spin off. But some we of want your- you we want you to not have 
Bioware. We don't want you to have respawn. Yeah, we don't you're want you to, to have. Or maybe, I mean, maybe you keep your top performers, but anybody under X is going to get spin no off. No EA originals. Right, exactly. And that might have been something where they looked at this and said, these things do return significant value to our shareholders, and we cannot, in good faith, enter into this deal that is going to require us to lay off 10% of our workforce right. or close because studios. Of, of all. Of all of the big publishers out there, you know, the last time that EA had to do an enormous round of layoffs, which was, you know, 380 people, I believe, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty emotional. Like that 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 earnings call was emotional. Yes, it, it was. really was. And like they're one of the the few big publishers out there where they acknowledged the human cost. Yes. Of of what happened during that mass that last big round of mass layoffs, and we mm-hmm. thankfully haven't seen a round of mass layoffs like what happened in 2019 since. Right. But y'all, we're on we're on the long tail the, slump right, right now. These things come in cycles, so it would not surprise me if by the end of this calendar year, we're going to be talking about layoffs again. I, I hope not. I hope not. I genuinely hope not. I hope we're at a point where we are just better in terms of sustainability and no one is building too big too fast but anyway the reason why i said that is because it doesn't surprise me that ea would want to ensure that they are not laying people off unnecessarily right okay and that was everything on investment interlude and now it's time for a break Virtual Economy is an F-squared initiative, and along with pro bono business consulting for up-and-coming developers, it's a way we are working to give back to the community that has already given us so much. To find out more about F-squared and the services we can provide, including pitch prep, media training, mock reviews, and business strategy guidance, visit our website at fsquared.biz. And we're back. Hey, Mike, what time is it? It's time for quick hits. It just gets better every week. Well, thank you. It really does. Well, thank you. Take-Two and Zynga have closed their $12.7 billion acquisition deal. Yes, this comes after last week when shareholders voted to approve, leaving nothing in the way. Today being May 23rd. I guess they did it. They did it. They They did did the thing. All right. All right. Uh, Bethesda has announced delays for both Starfield and Redfall. Uh, both were I'm originally sad about, both I'm were sad originally about due Redfall. this year. Yeah, me too. That. I'm very excited for both these games. Obviously, delay it if you need to take the time you need to make these games great. Um, I will say this: there has been a lot of weirdness, and I know that other people have echoed this. They're like, "Why would you announce a release date for Starfall if you were just going to delay it?" It's because at, when they Starfield, had, Starfield, right? That's yes. You, you made a portmanteau. I, I made a portmanteau of two different games. Sorry <laughs> to my friends at Bethesda. I apologize. Why would you announce a date for a release date for Starfield if you're just going to delay it? Because if you release it, announce a release date, you are confident something happened. Something happened, and it's called the freaking pandemic is still here. Yeah, working under quarantine. Like I mean, we're not sheltering in place anymore, but people are still dealing with some sincere, like side effects. Some people are dealing with long COVID. Some folks are dealing with death in the family. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, I mean, it's just it's a miserable time out there. It's a miserable it is. time. Everyone is dealing with so much. Everything is a lot all the time. And you know what? It's a miracle that any game gets out the door ever. It's true. So neither of these decisions were taken lightly. And especially when you have both decisions coming at the same time, this was a tough decision. I would imagine so, because that that creates some big old gaps. Yes. All right, let's talk about Asmodee. As you might recall, Asmodee is now owned by Embracer Group. And it has announced the creation of a new studio called Access Plus which will develop accessible board games. 
To start three Asmodee games, Spot It, Cortex, and Timeline, will get new Access Plus additions that are designed for, quote, medical practitioners, schools, and caregivers who have people with special needs, including cognitive disabilities under their care. Access Plus games have bigger, thicker, and easier-to-hold cards, adapted rules, more difficulty options, and even single-player versions. These were developed by a committee of care experts approaching the redesign of these games with specific scientific underpinnings. Each comes with a booklet that details the benefits of each game. I love this. I, I saw wonderful. this story and I was really excited to I think it's absolutely it. wonderful. And I mean, we're going to get to it in just a little while when I talk about what's going on with Microsoft and accessibility. We're just, we hammer this mm-hmm. home all the time. Accessibility matters. Games are for everyone. Yep. Uh, I'm going to group two of these that are kind of floating separated by one. Uh, Stardew Valley has crossed the 20 million units sold mark. Ooh. That game still on fire. And Final Fantasy 15 has crossed the 10 million unit sell-in mark five and a half years since its release. Dang. Yeah. Dang. I mean, so there was something going on, going on today where an outlet who shall not be named was crapping all over Game Pass, and it was from a very AAA-only perspective. And I just want to point out that your Final Fantasy XV sold 10 million units and your Stardew Valley sold 20 million. Like, if you're not playing indie games, (laughs) then you are in the minority. You are not in the majority. And And granted, not every indie game sells like Stardew Valley, but you've got Game Pass. It's not... It's not just about, I mean, you you played a game, you were on stream on Friday. I was. You had no idea what to play. No. You used the Game Pass randomizer. I and did. what happened? I ended up playing Signs of the Sojourner and I'm obsessed. I am absolutely obsessed with this game and I'd never heard of it before. And I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a game about conversations and it is a game about building relationships and it's a game about communities and what happens when those communities are forgotten. And it's really beautiful it is a beautiful beautiful game and if you haven't played it it is on xbox game pass and i loved it so much i bought it on switch yep so if you have game i I mean i love game pass i i mean i still believe that game pass is the best deal in the industry but more importantly if you are a pundit out there i i or you're an influencer or a journalist i beg you to examine your privilege because chances are you're receiving a lot of codes for games and if you're looking at game pass like Oh, why would I? Why would I play this? There's like, there's not a lot of AAA on here, which also, by the way, isn't true. You have your EA Play membership. You've got lots of stuff. The reality is, for the price of what two AAA games, two full price AAA games a year, you are, or maybe is it three? Was it? it it's 120 a year, right? If you if you do Game Pass Ultimate, I think so. All right. For the price of two AAA games, you have access to a rotating library of hundreds of games. So I'm sitting here thinking like. I don't understand the perspective of, oh, we're getting burnout on on Game Pass because it's not there's not as many AAA games coming. Good. Diversify yourself. Everybody else is. The stats are there. <laughs> like, literally, uh, Game Pass and, and EA Play and other subscription services are motivating people to play more games, to try more games, to play to outside their... Genres. Yeah, to try to play outside their comfort zone. Yeah. So, Discover, like, I mean, as a person who loves playing, I mean... Obviously, I'm a huge indie fan. I love indie game. That's part of the reason why I work with Hit Save is we're working to preserve indie games, especially like that's my that's my baby. That's my project. But more than that, indie games are they're doing more interesting things than AAA is even able to do because they are able to be nimble and they're not they don't have to be beholden to shareholders 
and they don't have to be beholden to what anybody wants of them. They don't have to be beholden to any of it if they don't want to be. So listen, but also go play Signs of the Sojourner. All right. Uh, (laughs) Ukraine developer Frogwares has announced it has secured an epic mega grant, and the funds are going to be used to soften the blow of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Oh, that's really cool. Frogwares has been relocating staff to remote locations in Ukraine and other EU countries, and the studio says funding will help ensure financial stability for the company and its displaced employees. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Delighted to see Epic using its resources for this kind of support. Yeah. It's, It's really, really walking that talk. So let's talk a little bit about Safe in Our World. Now, we've talked about Safe in Our World a couple of times on the show, and they are doing some similar things to what Take This has done. I'm a Take This ambassador. I'm very much supportive of Safe in Our World as well. They do different things, but they're stepping up their initiatives and they're hiring new people. First up is the Play Your Way campaign, which is Safe in Our World's mental health month fundraising campaign. So you can get involved with that. I believe that's over on Tiltify. After successfully providing mental health training to, my goodness, 200 community managers in the game industry, Safe in Our World is looking to nearly double that number by the end of 2022. Wow. They are looking to do even more with that. And listen, if you, like we talked about at the top of the show, being a community manager is really hard. It's really, really hard. It's grueling. It's emotional labor. It is really taxing. And being being able to understand your own limits, where you should be putting boundaries in your communities and for yourself, is huge. It's enormous. So good for them. Safe in Our World is also creating a crisis hub, which will offer, quote, uh, target resources um, to support those affected by crisis. Embracer Group, Koch Media, got it, and Form all provided funds to make this happen. That's really big. Cool. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. He's do not care. here right now. It's great. He's not here right I'm now. I'm excited. All right. Uh, ben Weeb joins the strategy and corporate partnerships, sh- joins as the strategy and corporate partnerships officer, comes with um, a ton of experience as a social impact strategist and TV producer who's lived in Denmark, the United States, and the UK. Sky Tunley-Stainton takes the role of partnerships and training officer who will focus on expanding the Level Up Mental Health... Eh, let me try that one more time. The Level Up Mental Health campaign to provide even greater support and training. Safe in Our World is doing some really great stuff. And if you support folks, you know, if you support the great folks that take this, you should also be supporting the great folks at Safe in Our World. All right. Uh, Fall Guys. It's going free to play on June 21st. This is actually following a very sim- uh, similar trajectory as Rocket League. As Rocket League. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's right out of the same playbook. So there's a pre-registration bonus, which uh, everybody who pre-registers, I think, will get a bonus based on the number of people who pre-register. So the more people who pre-register, the more bonuses you get. Um, and anybody who owns the game and has launched it before... Uh, June 21st. So if you redeemed it on PlayStation when it was free and you haven't launched it yet, you should go do that. Uh, because if you do, uh, you will get a pack of skins and emotes and other things. Oh, God. Yeah, it. but if you own it but haven't launched it, you won't get those things. Uh, one note, Fall Guys is being delisted on Steam, again, like Rocket League before it. Yeah. Uh, if you already own it on Steam, you'll be able to keep playing there. Don't worry. It's just that new players won't be able to start there once the free-to-play update hits on June 21st. Okay, good to know. What else is going on with Epic? Uh, they are planning on releasing an Unreal Engine 5 editor specifically for Fortnite. 
So not only is this going to enhance Fortnite's creative offerings, but Epic CEO Tim Sweeney says the company's plans to build out a player-to-player -player economy, which sounds similar to what Roblox does and will enable creators to monetize their work. The big question here, obviously, is Epic going to take a better path in terms of ethics than Roblox has with its company script approach? We'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, only time will tell on that one. Although I would, I would argue that Epic does way more interesting stuff with V-Bucks, but that's just me. Right. All right. Well, I don't... one uh, yeah. Pac-Man's you know coming, apparently. No, I, I get it. I get it. I know there are lots of really interesting partnerships. But still, don't don't script. Don't do no. the company script thing. Don't script. Don't do that. Okay, so remember how I said that I was going to have more about accessibility? So as part of the 12th annual Microsoft Ability Summit, Microsoft has expanded the Inclusive Tech Lab, introduced new software features, and unveiled new Microsoft adaptive accessories designed to give people with dis disabilities greater access to technology. Cool. So I want to talk a little bit about the Inclusive Tech Lab because it's actually really cool. And I actually and I, I watched the video with the video tour, and it was just holy smokes. So this is directly from their post. The Inclusive Tech Lab is intended to be an embassy for people with disabilities, not a space about them. It will include a showcase of Microsoft Microsoft's accessible hardware, software, and services, as well as experiences created by our partners. Primarily, however, it is an inclusive design incubator where Microsoft and disability communities can ideate and evaluate product design and direction. It is a space where our designers can challenge assumptions while learning to recognize the exclusions and constraints faced by people with disabilities. We harness that understanding to create new ideas, designing for one and extending to many. This is really cool. It's awesome. Okay, so remember, her, so so listen, do you remember the adaptive controller? I very much do remember the adaptive controller. I too remember the adaptive, the adaptive controller. I'm having a hard time today talking. I don't really know why. Um, there are some new accessories. Cool. There's the Microsoft Adaptive Mouse, which can be customized with the Microsoft Adaptive Mouse Tail and Thumb Support, or you can actually just 3D print your own. That's cool. Uh, the thumb support accessory can be switched for left and right-handed users too. Neat. So that you don't have to worry about it like, oh gosh, but I'm a lefty. Mm. Don't worry about it. They got you. You'll be able to replace or augment traditional keyboards with a central hub and new wireless buttons with the Microsoft Adaptive Buttons and Microsoft Adaptive Hub. The Microsoft Adaptive Hub can wirelessly pair with up to four Microsoft Adaptive Buttons, allowing multiple connections with less cord clutter. The hub also works with standard 3.5 millimeter assistive tech switches and features three distinct profiles for use with multiple devices. Very cool. Incredible. I'm glad that this is, that the adaptive controller was the beginning. It was. And that's what they talked about in that post is the adaptive controller was the beginning. It was their, their catalyst for ensuring that they do this work with, for years and years and years to come. Very cool. I love it. All right. Um, remember when we talked about that shady video game grading company, WADA? <laughs> we, we did like a whole top of the episode about it, I think, yeah. last year. Yeah. So VGC reported on a new class action suit against the company. <gasps> uh, so someone is pursuing the relationship between WADA and Heritage Auctions. Again, something we talked about. It's true. Yeah. Uh, they are alleging that WADA is, quote, engaging in affirmative acts to manipulate the retro video game market, engaging in unfair business practices, engaging in false advertising, making false statements about the turnaround times for grading services, and failing to disclose material delays to customers. Remember that every time these games trade hands through auction, the auction house gets a 20% cut. 
So we talked about regrading where someone didn't get a grade that they wanted. And they just resubmitted the game over and over and over to get a slightly higher score. Mm-hmm. Um, inflation of the pricing. Oh, yeah. No, we can talk about that all day until the cows come yep. home. And then accusations of effectively washing. <gasps> so you, you've heard us talk about this with regard to NFTs. Yeah. Where you have stuff that's trading hands between uh, between one buyer and, and another wallet that they own or between two people who know each other. So you're essentially inflating the value of something. And then, of course, they sent out a press release talking about how amazing it is that this game sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars when it wasn't really an open auction like that. It wasn't, it wasn't like some, somebody walked in off the street and said, I'm going to pay you $300,000 for this copy of super Mario brothers. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what's going on. This report is over on VGC, um, based on the class action suit filing. So super interesting stuff. I'm very interested to see what happens here. Yeah, me too. And this is, this is also something that gets talked about a lot in the preservation communities that I'm in because it's it it honestly is making our lives a lot harder (laughs) this kind of stuff is making our lives a lot harder yeah all right we got one more quick hit we do Melvin Capital the investment management company that shorted a bunch of GameStop stock and became Reddit's bad guy in the meme stock rush has announced it will be closing it lost so much money that it that it cannot oh no yeah I mean and at the same time like Man, I'm seeing stuff from that Wall Street Bets community where they were trying to influence the price of uh, Costco stock because they're refusing to raise the price of the hot dogs. So they're like, we all go out and buy a thousand hot dogs. We can tank their stock. What? Why? Why would they do that? Because they want to buy it cheap and then... But that's... Leave Costco alone. Leave Costco alone. Just leave Costco and their awesome hot dogs alone. Yeah. Also, they have really good churros. Yeah. 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 And those were quick hot dogs. <laughs> I'm glad we can have a little levity because the labor report's going to be a big old woof. Yeah. We have the labor report, but the labor report is not where we're ending this show today. Oh, no. Because we have some other stuff after the labor report. Including a FAFO. We do have a FAFO for the first time in a very long time, but you know. Because the whole industry, let's be real, has just kind of been fucking around, but they haven't really been finding out. But you know who found out today? Uh, Who found out today? I'm looking at the show notes and I'm going to let you tell everybody. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Because Activision, even though they haven't given up their union busting bullshit, they have failed. Raven Software QA workers have voted 19 to 2. It was 19 to 2? It was 19 to 2 or 19 to 3. I think it was 19 to 3. Regardless, it was a minuscule, tiny little number that is insignificant because they have voted to unionize and that is our first AAA support studio to do so. The seeds are absolutely planted. It doesn't stop here. It starts here. This is really exciting. But on top of that, the other <laughs> side of this coin this is... This is the find out portion. Yeah, this is the find out portion. This is not the FAFO award because otherwise Activision would win it like every week. I think that Activision Blizzard probably would have won the FAFO award every week since last summer. Yep. Yep. That's a little redundant. So Activision is now under NLRB, that's the National Labor Relations Board investigation, for allegedly illegally threatening employees and their right to collective action. Um, 
we know that there have been a number of things. There have been emails that have gone out, but also the company held a town hall meeting in late April and warned that unionization might adversely impact promotions and benefits. That's a threat. That's if a you threat. unionize, it's gonna hurt your it's gonna hurt your bottom line as an individual. Yeah. This was a this was very much a hey, uh, nice compensation package you got there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. <laughs> nice Jersey accent. Oh, thank you. Very nice. Also from the Activision Sucks file. The company is attempting to have the DFEH lawsuit dismissed. Good luck. The company says that the DFEH failed to engage in mediation. What? Ridiculous. And that the agency waged a war in the press. Oh, no. There are some pretty routine and innocuous emails between the DFEH and press that are included in the filing discussion, whether DFEH officials can speak off the record. Yeah. So Axios uh, dug a lot of this up. Zillow's been on this. So... I, they're 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 desperately trying. They're desperate. They want this thrown out because they don't want to be held accountable for all of the bad, horrible, no good, terrible, toxic, death causing stuff that they have done. But wait, there's more. There's always more. Activision ended the week. So this was a week ago. So we obviously haven't had a new show in a couple of weeks. So we're playing a little bit of catch up here. But this has been a couple of weeks. We recorded a new show. Last. No, we did earnings it's been a couple last of, Monday. It's been a couple of weeks. Okay, yeah. sorry, my bad. So, on a, on the Friday, a week ago Friday, I guess. Oh, yeah, before we went to Rochester. Before we went to Rochester, okay. Uh, Activision published a blog post. So, this isn't a leak. This isn't a story breaking. This isn't a scoop. This is Activision saying, hey, everybody, we did something awesome. And we totally want you to know about it. It and is the most incredible amount of self-owning that I've seen in a while. Yep. And the blog post described what it is calling the King Diversity Space Tool. Yes. So when the blog was originally released, it included images that showed how Overwatch characters were mapped on radar graphs using a variety of, I mean, the best way to put it is, quote, non-normal characteristics. For example, Anna, who is a sniper of Middle Eastern descent, who also only has one eye and is older than your normal hero, in quotes, had all of those traits mapped to give her a numerical value. That's right. A numerical value in which the zero point is a 30-something cishet white man. So this isn't really a diversity tool. And this is something you saw the internet like light up over this because... Oh, they got roasted They got dragged through glass and appropriately for this. So it essentially creates a numerical value of how, quote, other... A character is. It's a marginalization tool, not a diversity tool. When you that's not the same thing. Diversity is is threefold, right? We talk about this. Mm-hmm. Diversity is diversity. Mm-hmm. It's equity mm-hmm. and it's inclusion. So, of course, you know people were really upset. Here's the, here's the worst part. We were uh, we were upset looking at this like this is terrible. Who's who thought this was a good idea? But if you're an Overwatch developer and you are literally seeing this for the first time in the blog post. Because we have Overwatch developers who stepped up and said, we weren't consulting on this. They'd never seen the tool. Yeah, like people we follow. <laughs> yeah. And some were really upset about how it undermined real DEI work that that team is doing. Listen, Overwatch has not gotten it right. In so many ways, Overwatch hasn't gotten it right. But at the very least, they are doing some flavor of DEI work, even if it is not as deep as we want it to be. But Activision Blizzard has since tried walking back, walking back 
that self-congratulatory, but also self-owning yes. post saying that the tool is in beta, hasn't been used in active development. It doesn't replace the work of human beings doing important, important DEI work. Y'all, listen, we all know what this is. We all know that this is what they did because they were proud of a data solution to something that actually does require a ton of thoughtful, qualitative work from invested people. But this walk back really leaves us with one question. If this is how Activision Blizzard views its characters, how can we trust how it views its workforce? Absolutely. I, I think, look, the reality of the situation is corporate America. Corporate. Uh, corporate. Corporate world. Yeah. Capitalism. Yep. Oh, capitalism. Late stage capitalism. There are people doing good work in all of these organizations. Oh, there are absolutely. There people doing amazing work inside Activision Blizzard. There are people doing great work in Ubisoft. The problem is when you have revenue-driven or bottom-line-driven white men who are sitting at the top, the first thing they say is, show me the data. So you have people who try to back into this and say, okay, well, here's the data about this character. I could talk all day. I could talk all day about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion in video games, that representation in games is putting more money on the table. When you back away from diversity, when you back away from representation in games, you are leaving money on that table that you could be enticing and, and, and getting the right people, getting more people. Why would you not want to expand your addressable market? It's just good business. You can sell more games to people who see themselves in those games. Especially if it's done respectfully, mm -hmm. if it's done with a measure of sincerity, it it's just the bare minimum is paying attention. And this is not paying attention. This is trying to appease the people in in as Mike said, in these in these powerful roles that don't understand the importance of representation because they have the privilege not to care. And on top of that, we talk a lot about the importance of professional development for developers, for marketing professionals, for PR professionals, for everybody in the trenches, right? For everybody. I, I'm going to say this right now. Why do we not talk about C-suite professional development? Because every single person in a video game company C-suite, and I'm just talking about video games, we, we, can, we can absolutely expand this to corporations across the board. But if you are in the C-suite of a video game company, you should be taking DEI courses. You should know what's, what the conversation is out there so that you can engage in it and understand it. You want your data? That's how you should be getting your data. Not like this. No. No, absolutely not. All right, what's next? Keywords employees uh, working as contractors for BioWare, remember we have talked about this, have succeeded in retaining their ability to work from home. Yay, that's really good it because COVID, COVID numbers are spiking again, and especially in a place like Alberta where COVID numbers are definitely spiking. Um, you might recall our discussion from a few weeks ago when the issue was first surfaced. Employees are not giving up their unionization push despite this change. The Alberta Labor Relations Board has recommended that the union c cover all Keyword Studios workers and not just those embedded at BioWare Edmonton. So I think that that because there 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 are differences in the way that unions work between mm. our two countries. I don't think that the Canadian Labor Relations Board's 
either federally or provincially, I don't think either of them have that micro union provision. I think that's distinctly an American thing. Gotcha. So I could be wrong, but that was kind of my understanding of it when I went and I looked into it the last time we talked about it. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the result with the result of of this push towards unionization. I'd love to see so many more unions in this industry now that we have made unionization about for the people and made it so that people can be safe they can have their their workplaces be safe they can have fair wages they don't have to work their butts off i love this unionize everything yep and now on to the tone deaf meow meow story time oh my god email. i'm gonna let mike take this one because it just kind of makes me sick to my stomach so you probably have heard the story bloomberg broke the news that Jim Ryan, who's the head of PlayStation, I've never heard of him. Yeah, well, he's he's like a jar of mayonnaise. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Uh, he circulated an internal email about the abortion rights issue that is currently going on in the United States. In the email, Jim Ryan refuses to take a stance, saying that PlayStation owes it to employees and consumers on both sides of the issue to not take a side. I'm sorry. This, there's not two sides to this issue. There is, I am dictating what another person can do with their body, and I am allowing that person to make the choice that is right for them. One of these is authoritarian, and one of them is... Not. Not. Um, but the thing in the email, the reason why we're joking about Meow Meow story time, is that in the email he pivoted to talking about his cats and a puppy he wants to get. He used this extremely important issue... From Meow Meow Storytime. I... Look. Yeah. Listen. No. No. So the Washington Post, in a follow-up, reported that employees at Sony-owned Insomniac were especially incensed, and CEO Ted Price sent a 60-page email to PlayStation Studios head Herman Holst with employees begging for a public response in support of abortion rights. And Ted Price's hands were tied. We love to see it. We love to see a CEO standing up for his employees. So remember Bungie, which is about to be acquired this year. They're in the process of that acquisition. Oh, Sony, if you thought it was going to get easier for you, it's not. No, and in fact, Bungie says they, were, they will not be muggled. I'm so proud of them. Yes. So one of the things that Insomniac is doing, they are donating $50,000 to the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. Sony will match that. I'm sorry, $100,000 is not enough. It's not enough after this email. Like, I'm thrilled that Insomniac is taking this initiative, and I am thrilled that they got Sony to match this. I am frustrated that Sony is refusing to allow either Insomniac or its own social channels to tweet about it. The only tweet that we saw about it was from the Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. Uh, PlayStation also said it would not approve any statement from any subsidiary on the topic of abortion rights. Sounds about white. Yeah. It's it's maddening. It's just so tone deaf. I, I'd say I don't understand it, but also, like, all right, so Double Fine made a statement. They're owned by Microsoft. They are. Right? But Microsoft... Uh, which has said that it's going to help employees out, right? Mm-hmm. And Certain Affinity was another one that made Certain a statement. Certain Affinity was, like, in a really weird and messed up place, too, because they're in Austin. Yeah. Like, they're in Austin, Texas, and they're like, listen, if we got to get you out of here, we're going to get you out of here. Yeah, we, they're allowing employee, they're helping employees move to another state where they have offices 
that are that are not uh, Gilead. And oh, yeah, pretty much. And honestly, how I've always liked certain affinity. You know, I've talked to them a couple of times over the years, and I really like the way that they structure things within their studios and how they handle their projects and how they do work for hire. And they're old, like they have very little turnover as yeah. a result of being just a really good place to work, from my understanding of it. So it's really maddening. It is absolutely maddening that there are so many good people that are at these studios that are women or they're people with uteruses or whatever, or they support abortion rights mm -hmm. as, as allies and they can't say anything. I guess, I, I think I said this last time, but now there's even more, more information, right? If you aren't paying for health insurance for the mother and the child, if you are not ensuring that that, child gets educated because in Florida and Texas, I think or Texas, they're trying Texas. to overturn the mandate to have, to educate every, every child. If you are, and this is the one that, that galls me, there is a, a formula shortage right now, by the way, that somebody reported three week, three years ago three years because ago. of the new NAFTA, the new NAFTA rules yes. was going to be a problem. It was because a lot are. of, a lot of the formula from my understanding is not made in the United States. So we have European countries who are doing humanitarian airlifts to the United States because we can't fucking support mothers in need. Because and Republicans, me... it came to a vote. There was an emergency order. And the Republicans voted against it. You cannot be pro-life if you are voting against feeding children that you are for because, ready to force people to have. Because not every, not everyone that has a baby is able to produce enough milk to get the baby to latch. You know, nursing is a really stressful thing for some for some of us, and I. You know, it was for me with our son, you know, not for our daughter, but for our youngest son. And, you know, it's it's hard. It's really hard to have a baby to begin with, mm -hmm. to bring a baby to term, to birth that baby, to keep that baby alive and happy and healthy for the first two years is a monumental task. It is monumental. And honestly, it's a blur. If not for pictures and videos, uh -huh. most parents wouldn't remember them because yeah. it's just an absolute blur. Formula kept our son alive. Mm -hmm. And that was the same thing with our eldest mm -hmm. um, because of the situation that Danielle was in at the time. And, you know, she, we relied on formula. Um, it was a little bit better with, with Olive, but mm -hmm. um, it happens. And if your take on this, if you don't understand and your knee-jerk reaction is say, well, just breastfeed, that's, that's not, that's actually a, a pretty harmful thing to say. It's a really harmful thing to say because not all, not all folks are going to be able to do that because lactation is hard. Yep. And in Canada, you get free lactation consultants. Mm -hmm. You know, I went I think, to... I think that's part of the... The process here as well. But I, don't, I don't. I don't know, know if it's it free is, or not because well, it's free. It was free for <laughs> me. It was included. States. It was included in my health care and my yeah. in my postnatal care. So listen, it's it's a really scary time. And if you mm. have people at your organization that have uteruses that can become pregnant, then you owe it to them to make sure that they know that they're going to be supported no matter what. And, and it's it's time. It's time to stop letting corporations run how we speak about human rights. I like I like that. That is 
That is This true. isn't a cyberpunk dystopia yet. Yeah. Let's correct course. Yeah. Speaking of Sony, though. Speaking of cyberpunk dystopias. Axios reported on the lawsuit filed by former PlayStation IT analyst Emma Mayo. And uh, yeah, apparently uh, she's moved, it's, it's moved its focus to California. Yep. Which is kind of cool. So it was previously a federal suit. Now, and now it is in- the state of California, which as you know from listening to this show. That's a pretty good thing. That's a, that's a that's pretty, a pretty good, thing. good thing. The refined complaint is focused on women at PlayStation's offices in California below the VP level. Yeah. So you might recall that one of the issues that Sony brought up to try to get the suit dismissed was that women at the VP level or, or higher up in the in the organizational structure would have to effectively be pitted against themselves in a lawsuit because they were managers that were being and the suit was claiming that managers held people back. So if you have managers who are women and the suit covers women who are at PlayStation, yeah, they would it's be in, too messy. So that's why that change happened. Okay. So after Sony moved to dismiss Mayo's original suit, eight women stepped forward with their own similar stories, and those accounts are included in the new filing. It's I read the whole filing. It's wild. Well, do you wanna do you wanna sure. give us a sum up? You yeah. wanna give us the so, TLDR? Uh, there were a number of specific incidents, including names of men, like similar to the the DFEH lawsuit that actually named names. Um, incidents of sexual harassment, quotes from men in leadership positions clearly treating women as inferior, excuses to avoid promoting women that are shown to be false. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, oh, you don't, you need a, a graduate school degree, and then the job listing said bachelor's. For instance. Yeah. Uh, excuses, all right, I said, assorted other bad behavior. Like, and a lot of it was from men really behaving badly. Like, like you had one guy who refused to be in a room alone with a woman for a meeting. Why? Because I guess he's ninja. Oh. <laughs> Esports and uh, streamer extraordinaire who won't play with women. Yeah, because he doesn't want the drama. No, okay. I, I mean, look, in all seriousness, there is a lot of like, I mean, this dude's discomfort with women led him to be a terrible manager. Super. Yes. Um, the the filing is extensive. Sony can't possibly succeed on, on a dismissal on the grounds of, quote, routine personnel matters like it tried with Mayo's first filing. And I think that... I mean, we're I'm doing, not a lawyer, but... But, I, like... But these are not routine issues. These, these are, are se- sexism, harassment, etc. Yeah, it's real bad. Um, and the people that did this and the to- toxic culture should be corrected. Yeah. I, I understand that Jim Ryan is preparing an email to send to staff about this, where he will talk about his new puppy, and it'll be meow meow puppy puppy story time. Let's talk about GameStop. Oh, do we have to? GameStop. Oh, GameStop. You giant fucking shit show. Ha! Ah. Well, let's, uh, let's dive right in, shall we? A GameStop worker in New York has sued the company, saying that the company misclassifies its retail workers. Now, now hold is, on. This hold is on. not a... When we typically talk about misclassification, we talk about... Cons- Contractors. Contractor versus full-time. That's not It's not what's what going on is. here. Hold and it's on important to your that it's in New York. Hold on to your butts. Plaintiff Trevon Max says that the GameStop retail workers should not be classified as retail workers. They should be classified as manual laborers which means that 25% or more of their time is spent on manual labor, like organizing stock rooms. Sometimes that happens. I used to work retail jobs. We organized stock rooms. Moving deliveries. Eh, every once in a while. Not very often. Standing for the entire shift. Well, yeah, no, that definitely happened. 
And it's the, the, the real key point in this that I really want Mike to talk about because sure. something happened this weekend that was real weird. With it, was, it was really interesting. It's real weird. Mikey does experiments. Yeah, sometimes. So especially now that GameStop is turning all of its retail locations into basically shipping centers for its online business, stuffing packages is considered manual labor. Sure. So here's what happened. Um, if you don't follow Wario64, you absolutely should. Yeah, seriously have him on notification. I have saved a ton of money because of Wario. I have been able to get my hands on things that I normally wouldn't be able to because of Wario. Wario's the best. Uh, One of the things that Wario tweeted, apparently Chris Tales, uh, which Manda has played... I love it! Got a price... I I mean, it was across the board. I found, like this in retrospect, it dropped to like $10 at a number of retailers. But the first one that Wario tweeted about was GameStop. I think it's been out for a year almost. Is that $10, so, though? I mean, that's pretty cheap. Yeah, it was pretty cheap. and we It's have... worth way more than $10, by yep. the way. It's a fantastic RPG. You should definitely play it. Yeah, it we... does time travel very well. Yeah, we have an extensive Switch physical collection, so I was definitely going to jump on this. So one of the things I noticed when I was checking out is I could have it shipped for $7, um, and it would arrive sometime this week. Or it, I noticed that it said... Get it today to left. And I'm like, okay, well, how much is that going to cost? And I clicked the button and it was still the same $7. So I'm like, why wouldn't I get it today if I could have it today? That's weird. And It gets weirder. So I, I placed the order and it was like $16.50 or whatever, and, and she, you know, around that. And what ended up happening was I got a notification that it was coming via DoorDash. So... GameStop had to print out the form, bundle up the game, hand it to a DoorDash driver like a restaurant worker, and then DoorDash delivered it to my house. It was really It, it was, was very, very strange. But it's it one of surreal. those things where I'm glad I did it, because if I hadn't, I never would have known this was a thing. But we have heard and we've talked about that they are doing more shipping out of their stores, and this is this is what happened. They 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 so so what happened was I placed the order. It went to one of the local stores. Instead of just pulling it and putting it in the drawer for for pickup, they had to go through the process of handling it as a delivery. That's so weird. It's super weird. It was so weird, and like, and then it showed up, and I'm like, didn't you just order this? Yeah. Why is it here? Also, not talking about it tonight, but I have done. I've spent so much money on preservation related activities. No, 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 no. Instead of us talking about that tonight, I want you to go back to the bonus episode that came out just before this episode because it's all about preservation yes. and it's really, really good. Yes. It's really good. And then but, afterwards, you should go to hitsave.org and you should click the donate button because we're raising money. Yes. And if you have questions about what I mean by my little piece of preservation, hit me up on Twitter. I'll talk to you about okay, it. Okay. So anyway, looping right back around to the GameStop stuff. If this is the case, if it turns out that GameStop's worker GameStop's workers should be classified as manual laborers, GameStop should have been paying these employees weekly instead of bi-weekly under New York law. Yes. Now, this is not the first such suit to be filed, but none have yet reached a conclusion other than some being dismissed. So there's other suits involve large companies, including Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, Walmart, Victoria's Secret, Party City, Cheesecake Factory, Apple, 
Urban Outfitters, and others. Really interesting stuff. Very, very interesting. All right. So that's everything in the labor report. We have two listener questions. Both of them are from Charles. And then we have a FAFO award. So first question from Charles. Quote, with the announcement that Gotham Knights is ditching its last-gen versions, do you think that this will serve as the starting point for more third-party titles going current-gen only? Or do you think that most will still want to get at those huge install bases that are still out there? My response to this, and then Manda, jump in Mm -hmm. if you disagree. Is that it's a? It's going to be title by title, and it's going to be based partially on technology. Now, remember that when Gotham Knights was announced, it was announced as two player. There were four characters. It was announced as two player. I believe now that they are focusing on current gen, that it's actually they're trying. I think they're looking to up it to four player. I read. The other thing is that right now, shifting to if your game wasn't envisioned as a current gen game only. Because of the the ability to like smart delivery on the Xbox Series X and PlayStation has its they've they I guess they've figured it out but it is a freaking mess um, in terms of upgrading from PS4 to PS5. Uh, I, I do think that that it's a it's a mistake unless you have a very good reason to drop your last gen versions because we still are in that supply issue. We've talked about that for weeks. We talked about it earlier in the show. So my feeling is we are going to see more third parties go that way. But it is going to be tech-driven, and that will be the reason. It w- Yeah, exactly. It is only going to be because of tech that we're going to see the move towards current gen. Otherwise, you're, you know, you're shrinking your addressable market, mm-hmm. and the install base of current gen systems is limited by the supply chain, and it will continue to be limited by the supply chain potentially for another two years so, because of everything that's going on with microchips and semiconductors. You ha- like the most important thing that we can do as analysts is look at what's going on everywhere else so that, you know, we can say confidently, nah, unless there's a technological reason, there's no reason for anybody to just focus on this generation yet. Yeah. And it if it were last generation, I would have a completely different outlook. Mm-hmm. I really would have. My outlook would have been... No, why wouldn't you focus on current generation and start moving away from last generation? There's no reason for it. You know, the well, especially with base... how long the 360 PS3 generation went on. Exactly. You and we, I were actually just talking about this before we recorded. We this we really were, and you know, saying that this that this particular cycle is going to be very long, mm-hmm. more than likely because of the supply chain constraints. Yeah. So it's going to be a flatter, but ultimately same height curve. Yeah. And it's going to take us longer to get there because of the supply issues. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Um, Charles, I, I know that you asked this question last week, but boy, was it prescient because of the conversations today on social media and a, and a couple of really bad takes out there over the past couple days. So question number two from Charles, with the announcement that both Redfall and Starfield are being delayed to next year, do you think Microsoft's ability to retain Game Pass subscribers is greatly hindered now that there are no AAA first-party games on the horizon that we know of? Or do you think that as long as Microsoft can manage a few larger day-and-date third-party releases and keep bringing moderate to high-profile indies to the service, most gamers will be satisfied? Amanda, you go first. Okay. So, from my perspective on this, Game Pass isn't just about AAA, right? And Xbox's philosophy, and we've talked about this for two years, the philosophical differences between PlayStation and Sony. And we can't even talk about Nintendo. Or sorry, PlayStation and Microsoft. See, I'm tired. It's like almost 10 o'clock at night and I was up until 2 a.m. last night. So I'm very sleepy. My brain, I swear, 
is melting. I ordered a Mexican pizza. His brain is going to melt too. Yes. From jalapeno. Like cheese. Like cheese. So anyway, the my point is, is that the philosophical differences between Sony and Microsoft is is the big factor here. Xbox hasn't really been interested and, and, and probably won't be interested in a ton of exclusive titles, namely because they're worried more about the ecosystem. How do we fold more people into our ecosystem? How do we get more Game Pass subscriptions and how do we retain them? Game Pass subscriptions are built on content. There is a ton of amazing third-party, double-A, triple-A, and indie content on Xbox Game Pass. I think that even though there are, you know, high-profile folks out there saying, you know, we're canceling our subscriptions, I'm like, that's fine. I don't have any beef about that. You do what you want. It's your money. Can I jump in here real quick? I I, I think I would caution anybody from looking at those people as, who are tastemakers in many regards as having the same perspective here. Because it's very easy to say, oh, I'm just going to cancel Game Pass because there's no AAA games. When you're getting peppered with codes, like multiple codes on a weekly basis, you're coming from a place of privilege. I was talking to a colleague in the industry and both of us were, were looking. There was a there was a story on Kotaku today about, oh, oh people are getting burnt out on, X, uh, on Xbox Game Pass because it doesn't have AAAs. And of course, the Game Pass official Twitter account like fired back in a huge way. And said, tell me you, you only play AAA games without telling me you don't, you only play AAA games. And here's the thing. As we talked about, we talked about this with Kate Sanchez, that Game Pass is an accessibility tool. It is. Right? Because you're spending, what, $120 a year on a Game Pass membership? You're getting hundreds of games. Right. Hundreds so, of games that you would, that you might have played, maybe, sometime in the future, when they were like, Five bucks? Yep. For the price of two new AAA games, you're getting hundreds of games. So, and, and did you talk about, the, did we talk about this already? Yeah, we talked we about We talked this. about about uh, the game that you played. Yeah, we talked about Signs of the Sojourner. Right. And like, so, it's not, it's not yeah. the only game though, right? Like, I play lots of different games on Xbox Game Pass. Like, I mm-hmm. played Before We Leave, which is this cool little town builder. Um, I've played a bunch of different games on there, like Paparazzi, where I get to go around taking pictures of puppies. And that was really cool. Dodgeball Academia. Yeah, there are tons of games that are dropping. So, Charles, to answer your question, for me, and I think for a lot of people who are looking at this, and based on the data, and this is where, if you want to talk about data, let's talk about data. We know from both EA's own subscription work and from Microsoft's that Game Pass subscribers play more games. They play longer And they are moving outside their comfort zone. We've already said this on this show. It's not a surprise. Because of that, it's safe to say that, yeah, you're going to have some attrition. Are we going to have Netflix levels of attrition? Spotify levels of attrition? I don't think we are. But I think we. this is part of reaching maturity, right? You you move from acquisition. Now you have people who have sampled the service, who have... You move into retention. Right. And for some people... They're going to say, all right, this isn't for me. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with no, that. No, there's, there's nothing wrong with there's that. There's nothing wrong with saying like, listen, this isn't for me. Everybody's different. Everybody's tastes are different. Everybody's means are different. I mean, there are people who, who after trying this. It just doesn't work. Yeah, they, they prefer to buy their games. You know what? I tried Game Pass. I thought it would be a good alternative. I'm actually someone who rather who wants to own my games. Rather than feel like I'm leasing them. Right. right? And for some people, that's going to be the decision. So ultimately, I think the way this is going to shake out is I think Xbox Game Pass membership is going to continue to grow. I don't see this as burning out. Is it a bummer that we're not seeing these games this year? 
Absolutely. But I think that what is going to happen is Microsoft is going to amp up its deal making with regard to Game Pass to fill in those blanks. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity here for ID at Xbox to really come swooping in with some of its amazing indies. And I think that the synergies between Xbox Game Pass and ID at Xbox is really what's going to keep things floating and growing steadily. I don't think we are going to see the growth numbers that we've seen Mm -mm. up until recently. Mm -mm. We're on the long tail slump. And I think that even if we see some numbers drop off, we'll see them drop off in the single digits. Yep. Absolutely. So thank you for those. In terms of percentages. Both of those questions were excellent, Charles. Thank you so much. We have one more thing before we wrap up this this. show. Oh, I'm going to take it? I mean, like, I love love doing the intro. Do the intro. You want me to do the intro and then you take us through the rest of it? that's fine. Okay. All right. Listen, guys. Listen, listen, listen. Listen. I'm going to get closer. I'm getting closer to the microphone. I'm so excited. We have the BAFO Award. (laughs) So I'd like to say it's each week, but it actually isn't. But when we do have BAFO Awards... We will pick the person or company in the game industry that has tended their garden from small seeds of fucking around to a sequoia-sized tree of finding out. Oh boy, it's a Fafo award. You don't know his name, but there's a good chance your Fortnite experience was ruined by Brandon Despotakis. He has despot in his name. Like, <laughs> the dude, the dude was, a, was born to be a villain. <laughs> Epic sued the Australian cheater who went by the online handle BlazeFN for selling cheats, compromising accounts, and selling Fortnite accounts, which is expressly against the TOS. It really is. Not only did Epic make him release a conciliatory statement, but Despotakis had to pay an undisclosed amount to Epic, which the company will donate to Child's Play to support its work in children's hospitals. You love to see it. Get bent. You fucked around. You You found found out. out. And with that, this has been episode 129. Holy crap. Have we really been doing this for like... We've oh actually, we're actually closer with everything. Also, we still have a GDC episode to put out. Like we have a hundred... Can you not remind me of like the work that I have to do? No, I'm just saying. I'm teasing. You're teasing it? I'm teasing. Um, I might also, release those as micro episodes, to be honest. Oh, okay. That's fine with me too. Um, we... We did not talk about Embracer's earnings or Thunderful's earnings this week. The show was too was too heavy, so we're going to do that next week in the new show. There's some good stuff in there, though, so yep. definitely want to stay tuned for that, and that will wrap us up for this season of earnings. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to the show. This has been the Virtual Economy Podcast, episode 129. You can follow us on Twitter at at Virtual Econcast. I am at Amanda Farrow. I am at Footerish, F-U-T-T-E-R-I-S-H. You can subscribe to our RSS feed at virtualeconcast.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Stitcher, Pocket Cast. There's one more. Ah, yeah! oh, the pocket sand right in the eyes. It's gritty in my contacts. And ow. Ow. That was really great. Ow. That was that was very Jerry Lewis of you. <laughs> I really Freud Laven, Bach Laven, whoa. <laughs> 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 little animaniacs in there. We're just, gonna, we're just gonna go there with animaniacs. Yeah. That's fine. So uh, please do subscribe and if possible, review the show. Let us know what you think. You can DM us with questions anytime or you can send them to podcast at fsquared.biz. You can also drop them in on our Discord. Just like Charles did. Yeah. Who, yeah. On, Johnny on the spot, man. Charles, two killer questions. This two week. really, really good questions. So you can come hang, out, come hang out with us on Discord. We are an extremely chill group of people we talk about everything from board games to actual video games because we don't talk about video games on this podcast we talk about the business of video games on this podcast unless it's science of the sojourner 
You're cheating now. Like, you just broke the rules. A seal has fallen off the tower. Oh, no. We're playing Return to Dark Tower. That's a conversation for... Hit us up. If you are interested in Return to Dark Tower, which is the sequel, awesome, amazing game from Restoration Games. Honestly, play everything out Restoration Games ever does. Fireball Island, Unmatched. Play everything. Ugh. Just mm. play it all. It's, mm. all. it's all amazing. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to come hang out with us on Discord, you can DM us or, you know, email us, I guess, and be yeah. like, hey, guys, can just, I be in the Discord? Just slide on into my DMs. I'm glad to give you an invite. And that is going to be it for this week. So remember to wash your hands, stay hydrated, and be good to one another. Pocket sand. Yeah.